Hello and welcome to the Sneaky Art Insider podcast. This is my third post for paying subscribers and I am so glad to speak with you today. The subject is war illustration and reportage. I'm going to take you through a brief history of what qualifies as war reportage, touch upon some ideas from episode 15 of the podcast with George Butler and connect all of these ideas with the recently concluded war in Afghanistan. This post is a form of bonus commentary that I wrote soon after I recording the episode with George Butler. It is a way for me to dive a little deeper into some of the interesting subjects to walk along some of the tangents that came up in my podcast conversations that sparked some interesting curiosity in me but I was unable to get into in the conversation itself. It's it's an opportunity that I enjoy. It lets me connect different things that interest me. and the subscription model which you are a part of gives me both the freedom and the incentive to do this so again thank you very much for being here are you ready let's go Art about war has been around for as long as both art and war. But to begin art about war was not reportage in any sense, although it can be argued that it was meant to carry a very specific message for a specific population. Some examples that I can think of include Roman emperors who had columns and arches constructed after their great victories with reliefs depicting their victory over the enemy. Another example that comes to mind is from the Hardcore History podcast in a series about the Achaemenid Persian Empire. Dan Carlin talks about kings who would have waiting rooms decorated with paintings of their battlefield victories and trophies such as the preserved heads of fallen kings. Foreign envoys were made to wait here before being granted an audience with the king. So in a sense it was both propaganda and foreign policy. but that's not the kind of art i want to talk to you about in this bonus commentary i'm wrapping three main topics into a loosely connected narrative to share some interesting insights that i had this is not in any way an in-depth look it's simply skimming over some topics of interest with me and hopefully it will spark some ideas in your mind and lead you down some interesting rabbit holes too the first is the history of war reportage and the kind of incentives that drove its inception the second an idea about the enduring impact of illustrations on the human mind based on my conversation with george and the third afghanistan and why it's sometimes called the graveyard of empires i'm going to leave this final point about afghanistan in text form along with some other ideas about uh, war illustration that george shared with me There are good reasons for this which I will tell you later in this audio post you can scroll down to read it meanwhile for the first two points stay tuned as per my research the first instance of war reportage was commissioned in the 1850s during the Crimean war an enterprising illustrator william simpson was sent to do this job by a newspaper in london now newspapers at the time were a new thing and they were competing for the market share 
also new was the idea of communicating vast amounts of information to hundreds of thousands of people. But this paper was doing something new all over again. Taking advantage of the latest technology of the times, it was using woodblock lithographic printing to include illustrations to go with the text. Illustrations were all the rage and every paper wanted to have them. But the first paper to take serious advantage of this was the Illustrated London News. Let's take a moment here to consider how newspapers, being relatively new devices, were bringing forward a new reality to urban life. Suddenly, it was possible to access information quickly from any corner of the world. You could be anyone and you could be as well informed as any other person. Competition between newspapers meant that they would try anything to have an edge over the others and what could be more thrilling than news from a battlefield. People living in London and other parts of Britain wanted to know what was happening overseas, especially in the furthest reaches of the British Empire, and newspapers found a fantastic money-making opportunity at their hands. William Simpson was sent to record images of the brave soldiers in the Crimean Peninsula and explain the nature of the battles happening there. His first task was to paint a scene that has been immortalized since then in Lord Tennyson's poem called The Charge of the Light Brigade. I'm including both the painting he made and Lord Tennyson's poem in the text below. You should definitely check it out. Now, William Simpson missed the charge by a few weeks, arriving a little late in Crimea. But he was able to reconstruct the painting from by gathering essential details about the location and other information from army personnel. He stayed on for about another year, witnessed many famous battles and sieges, and kept sending images back to London in the form of watercolor paintings. These images would be first approved by the British army, then forwarded to the office of the Queen, and only afterwards reached the newspaper office. At the, at the office, the watercolor art would be redone as a lithographic print suitable for printing thousands of copies. This is where woodblock lithography made a difference. Woodblocks were essential because they did not wear out so easily. And this became important because the Illustrated London News doubled its readership from 100,000 to 200,000 in just a, a week, thanks to the images of the Crimean War. It's interesting here to consider how financial incentives manifested in the form of reader demands. Profit-seeking enterprises were able to step in to compete against each other and use the latest technology to deliver the best solution. So news, even in the 1850s, worked very much like it does today. Back then, the latest tech was lithographic prints. In the 1990s, the latest technology was video coverage. CNN capitalized on this opportunity to telecast 24-7 feeds of the first Gulf War straight from the war zones. On top of this, using the new technology known as desktop publishing, Information graphics were used for the first time as well on the screen to visualize maps, to show movements of troops, and to showcase the latest weapon technologies and arsenal on both sides of the conflict. Speaking of digital graphics, you may also be interested in checking out episode 16 of my podcast where I speak with Gabby Campanario, 
Gabby entered the world of journalism right at the time that information graphics and digital graphics started to make a big impact, and we talk a little bit about that time. Now, war reportage means that a current event is being illustrated for use by a news agency. This is not exactly what George Butler does. In speaking with George, I had a look at his work, and what inspired me to speak to him was that he paints not war itself, but scenes around a war. He paints lives affected by war and places destroyed by war. As we discussed in our conversation, his objective is to provide information and wider context to geopolitical conflicts in terms of the toll that they take on innocent human life. We spoke about his work and how he's brought together more than a decade of his art in his new book, Drawn Across Borders. I'm including a link to his website in the text below. You should definitely check out his work and also order a copy of his fantastic book. Early in our conversation, I asked George about the relevance of watercolor illustrations in the time of multimedia coverage. Since the 90s, we've had images and videos and information graphics. Today, we have all of those options improved multiple times over, as well as instantaneous coverage. What does a watercolor painting made over an hour by sitting in just one location matter in the middle of all of this? You should listen to our conversation to hear his most interesting thoughts on the subject. To tell you how I see the role of illustrations or paintings or drawings, let me tell you a little bit about how I see all visual media. In my understanding, all visual media can be described as containing packets of specific information. Now, you can use words to convey this same kind of information. In the case of war images, it would be the local geography, the weather, the uniforms and the battle formations, and the nature of the clashes between the two sides. But doing so would take up a lot of words, a lot of time, and it still might not do a good job. This is where you have the advantage of visual media. It communicates immediately at a glance, containing all of this information, what would need otherwise a lot of time and effort. Now, while I say this, at the same time, I believe that today our minds and our imagination are saturated by images and videos. Nothing shocks us anymore. Everyone has seen everything. Special effects in movies have made explosions and scenes of utter devastation seem quite routine and ordinary. Without a sense of amazement, our engagement with these scenes has become unemotional, passive and shallow. This is one factor. A second factor that I put around photographs and videos is the sense of truth or reality within them. A photograph, for example, is exactly what it is. It shows you exactly what was in front of the camera. But this is not the case with illustration. Every line and stroke of an illustration carries the deliberate intent, focus and effort of an artist to depict what they noticed in front of them. All of these words are very important. Intent, focus, effort and notice. An on-location piece, therefore, carries the many choices made by the artist to include certain things, to focus on certain parts, and to ignore others. 
This can be for all kinds of different reasons, like not having enough time, not feeling completely safe at a spot, or not being completely comfortable. So what does this make the illustration? The illustration becomes a very personal account of the artist at that location, feeling a certain way, thinking certain thoughts, reacting to situations in a certain manner. It is a very honest product of that moment. And in terms of information purely, it contrasts with photographs in two significant respects. Number one, it does not carry the burden of being objective truth. Number two, it cannot and it does not show you all the information. With respect to images of war, this has a significant impact. George tells me that every illustration invites the active engagement of the viewer. Because the information is incomplete, we fill in the blanks with our minds. Because it cannot be the objective truth, the absolute reality, it is accepted for what it is, a person's honest account of their experience. A painting made in a war zone then has a greater impact upon us than just another photo or video of the same scene. It pushes us to think, to understand and to connect dots. It invites us to engage and so we give it our time and our attention, two very precious commodities. Time and attention bring focus. Focus brings impact and impact leads to caring. Through his work, George hopes to rehumanize people and places to whose conditions we have become otherwise desensitized. I'm including some of his most fantastic work with the text below. Do take a look and vi visit my conversation with him in episode 15. Now, how does all of this connect with my final topic of Afghanistan? This part of the commentary I'm including purely in the text form. I want to end the audio post here because this final portion is very link and image intensive and I don't want to pronounce and mispronounce certain names. Scroll down to read and I promise you will not be disappointed. Thank you very much for listening. I hope this was worth your time and I'll see you in the next one with something completely new again.